This morning, um, the scripture reading comes from James chapter 1, verse 12 through 25. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forget what he he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. Um, a special welcome to those who are visiting uh, with us today. And um, We are in a sermon series in the book of James, if you didn't know that. And as we continue in um, this sermon series through the book of James, um, I had every intention last week before closely studying more of what James was saying in the next group of verses to kind of move us further along. But I couldn't move us further along from last week's passage as I thought I could. So yes, we have some what I would describe as necessary overlap from last week's passage and sermon, Um, but this is really some good stuff God is saying to us and has for us, and I want you to get it and get it well before James moves us deeper. You need to make sure your wagon is hitched because he's going to really move us Um, through some crazy twists and turns for our faith and about our faith. Um, So last week, we learned how good God was to us in giving us the good gift of his eternal life. That God makes, he recreates, if you will, faithful people out of people like you and me who otherwise would not be able or even wanting, right, to love and obey God. 
Well, James is, is going to build a bridge between what God has done in making faithful people, believers in him, and the so, now what, and so what of belief. That, okay, you're, you're a Christian, and there is such a thing as Christianity in the church, and a religion with Jesus at its center and its Lord, and people who are saved by him, but so what? And so now what? Because apparently, um, even for Christians, for so-called saved, believing, and sanctified people, the people James is writing to, and for us here, the struggle goes on and runs deep. So what? And now what? Is, is the Christian faith um, simply about having and holding a rebirth certificate? Or a much-coveted VIP ticket for after-death access to God's boom-boom room, right? Is it a dusty plaque of moral accomplishment that just sits there? Is it a nice hashtag? James wants us to know that the gospel, the ministry, love, and work of God through Jesus for broken people is an active belief. And belief of action and that anything else is not only unacceptable for a true believer, but may be a sign that a person has not truly believed the gospel. James encourages us to have an active belief by first ridding ourselves of our sinful attitudes. Secondly, receiving God's word as life-changing, and finally, acting like we believe the gospel. Ridding ourselves of sinful attitudes. Secondly, receiving God's word as life-changing. And finally, acting, living, doing like we believe the gospel is true. We saw last week, again, James's description of how we sin in verse 14. And it is in stark contrast to what God is doing and has done beginning in verse 16. Let's reread it to kind of refresh our memories. In verse 14, it says, but when each person is tempted, but excuse me, each person is tempted when he is lured or enticed by his own desire, then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. That's the sin part. That's our part. But look what it says in contrast. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He is saying that the good gift of salvation and life comes from God and evil desire, sin and death come from us. That lies. Like saying God is tempting us come from our mouths. Why what? In verse 18, the gospel truth that gives us truth in life comes out of God's mouth from God's word to us. James says it this way in verses 19 and 20. 
He says, know this, my beloved brothers. Sounds just like the group of verses we just read. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. And I believe that this call to, to be slow to anger and slow to speak is in response to what was going on in verse 13. When believers were responding to their failure in this world to be all they were supposed to, do, to be and even wanted to be. And how they wanted and expected that their God would perform for them and didn't. And their assessment that people, church people, religious and frustrated and disappointed in where their belief had gotten them. Maybe they were struggling with, with sinful or, and tied up in twisted messes in their lives. They were opening their mouths and saying things and, and going around telling themselves and others that they are sinning or trapped in this impossible situation or that this bad situation in life they were in is God's doing that was going to lead them to sin that God is making and has made it impossible for them to trust him and follow him and stay pure and yet what the scripture is saying that is the opposite of what the gospel says people were going around saying stuff like only he had given me a husband or a wife by now. Or if I had a real job, then I wouldn't have to do this. Brother got to get by. I don't have the gift of purity, you know. Or I wouldn't be so mean and grumpy if God had just made me happier. Or I wouldn't be so cynical and angry if God had healed me or saved my mother's life or, or let me grow up in a home with a father or had let me make more money or hadn't let this hardship happen or hadn't let me be overweight or if he had made me more beautiful or, or I wouldn't be getting high or smashed right now if God had this or that or whatever it was that made them and us in our trials and, and tribulations of life want to walk away or doubt or as James says, be angry and tell God and others about it and he is saying when we get pouty and angry and develop a stink attitude and expression of our disappointments and discouragements in our lives with God when we let that stuff out guess what it does not relieve us of sin it is not true like the gospel is true even though you feel it as real that's what he means in verse 20 when he says, it does not produce the righteousness of God. That means when we sit around with these stink attitudes, it does not produce, right? It, it, it keeps you in your sin and sin pattern to be angry at God, to blame God, to, to in your disdain with God for how things are going, give up trusting him. To have a bad and contentious attitude. In fact, just the way the, the sentence structure is done between the statement about God tempting us in verse 13 that we made, followed by an explanation of sin, and then how James comes along and builds the same structure between verse 19 about being angry, the angry ranting person, with the filthiness and wickedness of sin in verse 21. He, he is saying this. You know what you and I need to do? You know what he's asking us to do? Rid ourselves of our sinful 
and I'm using the word stink, but this is the filthiness piece here. Our sinful stink attitude towards God. Because as long as we have this, God have this kind of God has not been fair to me and he is not good to me like others or I am like this because of him. Sin will continue to hold us and stress us and have its brutal way with us. Get this. Our stink, angry, untrusting attitude and tongues toward God means we are not fully and, and, and freely confessing our sins to him or all of our sins to him and others and, and praying to him because literally our spiritual data and communication has all and mostly being used up on anger, anger and complaining and, and communicated apathetic anger towards and about God instead of stuff like, forgive me, Lord, and help me, God. And I need you, Lord, again. The picture in verse 21, where it says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Is of a person who has smelly clothes on and is being told to take it off. So verse 21 is telling us that as long as we have this angry at the world and with God and even having reservations or trusting God wholeheartedly or, or when we believe that the so-called gospel love relationship we have with God is simply a frustrating strain, the Bible is saying that we are stuck in this sinful, stinky place wearing clothing of protest to God. And it is filthy. And ramp it with wicked stuff. We are too dis. Now get this. Here's the irony. It is filthy and rampant with wicked stuff that we are now too distrusting and angry and afraid God is going to tempt us to actually give it to him and have him wash us and show us mercy and kindness and grace like the gospel is telling and freeing and told us to. Let me say this, your, your anger, upset, stink attitude in whatever place or way with God does not look good on you. And if you're a believer, it doesn't even match. It, it doesn't fit what you say and who you say you are to be walking around angry and grumpy. And then we'll get back to this, calling it authentic. To be grumpy, mean, cynical Christians. It don't look right. It's off. It's like pulling for the Seahawks and wearing a New England Patriots jersey. It's like believing you believe in not cheating and wearing a New Jersey, I mean a New England Patriots jersey. <laughs> Try to tell Matt that today. But he redefined the word for cheat. He described it as taking advantage of every situation to win. That was a little Super Bowl joke. Or, okay, we, we can do both sides. Or saying you're a fan for the people and not talking to the media. Okay, we got that one. 
Okay, back to the word. It doesn't fit you. And James is saying, relieve yourself of yourself and God deprecation. When we take off and rid ourselves of our stink-acting attitude with God and the gospel relationship we have with him, we will then and only then be able to begin to take off the ways that we stink and feel burdened to ourselves, others, and God. Be slow to speak with angry tongues. Y'all, I don't know how we got here. I am with you. Okay, but I'm going to go ahead and confess, I often have a stink attitude towards God in so many areas. And here's the thing. Because my anger does not produce righteousness. Understand this. It doesn't actually fix anything, even though it might make you and me feel relieved, right? That kind of, I'm owning my own story feeling for a minute, right? To to blame and hate God and, oh, well, the Psalms have David really upset with God. No, this is a different kind of thing. This is, David was was upset with God on the way to, to, to saying, God, I don't understand. This is very hard. Save me. Not, I don't understand. You make me sick, God. Or I'm not going to trust you anymore. Or I'm going to be kind of hardcore Christian, right? I got to see it to believe it, God. Like, like that, that ain't what David was doing. So don't give me that song. And don't give me that song either. It, it ain't the right. It, it's not theologically correct. And, and, and so you got this. And, 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 then all, and then you hate and blame God for all things. Church even for life and my sin. All it does is give me and you an excuse and block the blessing of God truly changing our lives. And that stink attitude inhibits the work of grace. Some of us have become so stupid cynical about spending devotional time with God because he made it stop working or he took the friends we had around our relationship with him away or the vision we had for our spiritual lives, it it faded or we got stupid angry, right? At anything church or anything joyful and we get afraid and angry about being hopeful that things can truly change and we hate commitment to anything spiritually promising of anything because we are angry about something not happening for us or happening to us and we are speaking lies to ourselves. And James is saying, take that off. You can take it off. You can free yourself from that. Take off that stink attitude and what? Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let everybody be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that requires. This is verse 21, sorry. So what? Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He is saying here what? The word of God. Back even to, to verse 18, right? Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. 
When we are saying in anger, God is tempting us or is not really keeping his promise to make us better and love us, James comes along and says, that's a lie. Relinquish that and receive what God is saying. He's saying, relieve yourself of your stink, blame God attitude and hold it on to your sin and instead begin to receive afresh God's truth that is seen and given and received from his word. If you remember from last week, the illustration about the word producing first fruits in verse 18 um, among his creatures, it, it should take us back to the garden where God created the earth and everything in it out of the word of his mouth. God said, like, let there be light and there was light. James is saying that you are saved, that you, that, that you are saved, became, became a believer, that it was the gospel, the word of God preached and then heard by you, right, through the power of God's spirit using it that made you able to receive it and then become born again as you receive it by faith. Now, I don't want to belittle the gospel, but the gospel, the word preached and then empowered by God's Holy Spirit, by God's will, is the abracadabra that made you and me new creations. James is saying, that 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 is, that that is just the beginning process in a lifestyle with a word and hearing the gospel, right? Continues to supernaturally change our souls as we hear it and receive it and read it and have it reach us, right? It saves us and changes us and frees us to be able to get of get rid of what? Back to verse 30, back to verse 21. The filthiness and rampant wickedness and lies that we tell ourselves, right? It gives us the power to say no to temptations that come with living in this world as people who struggle with sin. James is saying, relieve yourself of your angry, babbling, bubbling over, loud mouth, not doing your, you any favors, cynical, self-protective, God-blaming, doesn't look good on you attitude, and spiritually sinful rhetoric and reservations, and receive the opposite. Humble yourself and rid yourself of your own thoughts and your own computations and hear in contrast to when we were angry at God and everything else and hear God's righteous producing, loving, pure, powerful, freeing, happy to have you message of the gospel. I remember a long time ago when I played football, it was a long time ago. Coach, have you huddled up? He's talking about the game plan. But you know me, I got things to say too. I'm just talking to my friend. Coach talking. And coach says, son, are you talking the same time I'm talking? It's just real, this rhetorical question that kind of shocks you. And it kind of enters your mind, wait a minute. I am talking the same time the coach is talking. And in front of everybody, son with that son. And well, you know, I'm from South Carolina, had that Southern son. Everybody looking back. Are you talking the same time I'm talking? Because if you are, I'm going to come over there and push you down. Oh. What a terrible vision 
and he could. I'm going to come and push you down. And everybody looking at you like, you fool. Sometimes I think we're talking the same time God's talking. I think we're being angry the same time God is being, is trying to aggressively love us. And God's like telling us, and James, are you talking the same time I'm talking? Are you being angry the same time I'm trying to aggressively love you and save you? And it's almost rhetorical, right? Like, have you lost your heart and your mind? Have you lost your identity? You're a believer? You wearing a uniform I put on your... And, and, and you talking the same time I talking and even the audacity to say something different? I must ask you, and I ask myself too, I write these words, I'm like, doggone, this stuff kind of hard-hitting. Have you not heard? Have you forgotten? Are you talking too much to stop and listen that God so loved you that he gave his son Jesus to die for you? That God will not leave or forsake you? That the gospel hearing and receiving by you over your mess is bound to, is promised to save you? Because when you became the Lord, when you became a believer, and if you will become a believer, the word of God, the gospel will not let up. It will not lose its power and promises to keep you and love you and me. And we hear it and we should hear it and study it and work over it and work it over and let it into our life and problems. So that God can use it to change us and comfort us. You know, I think it's a good time right now. I'm going to be a little pastoral. When things are hard, it's easy to slip back. The old voices come back, don't they? My dad has a tour guide company. He has a nice 21-passenger bus with the big windows. I think I told you all this story. And he started showing around people in the city in in the backseat of his car. And they'd be looking through the little window. Back then, you know, you had the car with the little window in the back. This is so-and-so building, and this is so, and then he, more people signed up, and he said he went and got a 15-passenger van. And the first day, three people showed up. And my dad said, something said to him, you old fool. You thought it was going to work. You put all your stuff in this, and look, you old fool. Then, after about a year, it's continuous 15. Then he went and got that 21-passenger van, and eight people showed up. You old fool. The voices will come back and call you a fool for believing again. You drop your anger. You let your guard down with God again and look at you. You're expecting 15 and 3 showed up. Don't slip. Don't believe lies. You can trust God. You can be giddy trusting of him. 
I'm going to keep pastoring for a minute. Just give me a minute. I like to spit and talk and yell with the best of them. But, you know, I think this is a, a good time to confront this real sinful and fake and subtle and stink authentic Christianity community thing that is happening and happens in the church. You know. When you and I somehow believe it's the relationships and community that keeps us going and growing and hopeful. And we spend all of our days trying to find community and relationships. And most of the time, and you know, you know what we get and find that makes us feel better? A group of people who are angry in the same way we are. We like to fix it up by saying, we're all struggling in the same ways. But oftentimes we are angry and disappointed with God in the same way, and we create community community that amplifies what we should be slow to speak and be angry about and so that supports feeling iffy about what God is saying and we call that authentic and loving that we don't give voice to God who counters and directly addresses where we are angry and disappointed that is not Christian community I don't care how good and authentic and freeing it is Christian community, surprises gather around Christ and what he says, right? Christian community is relationships gathered around and under the direction of the word of God. Now we've got so sophisticated, we can just hang out. And it speaks louder and carries more weight than anything else when you, and when you leave the group, you leave with its impact because of or even more than being with the community or group itself, right? If it's really a Christian community, when you leave, you leave trusting God and not the people in the group more. Amen. If you're going to bring the stink, bring the blessing of the word too. Relationships and being understood, what did James say? Will not produce the righteousness of God. I feel understood. Good. That's a good start. But it does not bring the righteousness of God just to be understood. Have you heard from God today? Has God spoken or were you just crowding the conversation? Complain. Okay. Thank God. He hears us. But he got something to say too. Letting the word of God direct and speak to us and change us and direct us and speak loudly to our hurts and pains and have an active part in truly changing things in us is what we're about. So hear what God has to say and seek what God is saying. The word, the gospel communicated to us from God and these pages are to be taught and shared and explored and applied and it is powerful and loving for you and me. But James doesn't stop there, of course, because he says what? Hearing is not enough. You must act like we believe the word. Look at what happens here. So he makes a big deal about us ridding ourselves of false voices and turning and, and then in turn hear and receive the gospel, the word of God. And then he says this in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. 
But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, right? He will be blessed in his doing. So we have this illustration given to us by James of a dude who looks at himself in the mirror and then after forgets what he looks like. And he says, if you are just a hearer or reader of the word, the Bible, and not a doer, that, 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 that's what kind of believer you are and will be. One who forgets who they are, right? How is this? This illustration is not about studying the word enough or deeply enough to remember what you have learned. No, I believe James is saying looking is not enough for a person to remember and believe who they are and what things look like and should be like. Hang with me now. Y'all wake up. That if you learn who you are and see the gospel, Let's say you believe what the word says about yourself, that you are a sinner saved by grace and now declared righteous and holy through Jesus, but don't live in obedience to the word. If you don't live out your faith in the world, that verse 22 is true. You deceive yourselves. Because if you don't live how and what the word says people who are God should live, then you are not being and may not truly be who you say, think, or imagine you are. This is going to be hard stuff to hear. I don't like to hear it. Because those who are truly gods are changed by what they see and hear in the word about themselves, the world, and the Lord in everyday living. Okay, so you sit up in here, you hear me preach for almost an hour, y'all, y'all going to Wednesday night, everybody in here, and then, you know, you're, you're going to community group, everybody in here, and then, you know, so you're looking at the word, and in those moments, it's great. Oh, hallelujah. Some of y'all even raise hands. Some of y'all. Y'all even say to Jay, hallelujah. Y'all serious. And then you walk away into life in its trials and tribulations, and all of a sudden, some other words before hallelujah, beside hallelujah, come out. Hands ain't raised, hands doing some other things, right? All kinds of things. Mine ain't fixed on Jesus, mine fixed on other things, right? And this is what he's saying, right? That, that, that in everyday living, we, 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 we look at the word and then when we go out the other hours of the week, we look like nothing that we saw in the word. That once you stop looking and listening, you act with filthiness and rampant wickedness, ruled by sinful desire, angry and disappointed with, that, with God all the time, and don't make time and effort to hear his word. It is simple. You are not acting like you believe the gospel. Why? Maybe because you don't really believe the gospel or still need to relieve yourself with some stink attitude in an area, or maybe you have been taught something wrong along the way or allowed to believe and grow malnourished spiritually in some way. But just hearing about God and Christianity is obviously not enough. How you live and that you live for the Lord reveals and tells you and others who and what you truly believe, who God is and what he has done for you and me. The Bible is the true mirror of our soul by showing us our behavior. But look at the description. I got to get to this. That he is careful to give us in verse 25. Look, look with me now. He says, 
but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and preserves, being no hearer but forget, who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, when he says perfect, he's talking about, he, he's countering some Jewish thought here where you can kind of be righteous without Jesus, right? That you can just follow the rules of the law. He is saying that he is saying the do's and don'ts of the commandments of the Bible, the description it gives for holy living through are only through the perfect person and work of Jesus Christ. And it is not, hear me, not just some moral guide by itself, but look carefully at what it is and does. It is a law that gives liberty. All right, we're getting into some crazy words here, right? Because you know us Americans, we love liberty. Man, liberty, we can roll it up and smoke it. (laughs) Liberty, we can drive it as fast as we want. Liberty, we can marry it, sleep with it, don't marry it, sleep, whatever. Liberty is great. But that's not the liberty we're talking about. I'm sorry, y'all. This is the gospel. I'm not running for office. This ain't do what you like because the Bill of Rights, Liberty. This is about growing and becoming a person who is free, hear me, that is unhindered to practice what verse 21 says, right? What we'll see more next week. We got, we got something for next week. That when we are living free, that the do's and don'ts and calls of the gospel free us and make it our heart's desire to put away filthiness and rampant wickedness and to hush our mouths and to practice what James will call pure and undefiled religion, then it is true and real and the gospel is happening in you. So if you hear me saying you can be declared and made righteous by doing, it's not true. But if you're declared and made righteous by Christ, you'll do. So what you believe in what and how you're learning and taking the gospel definitely affects you. But James goes deeper. He's also saying, this is the final point here, y'all. Just, just hang with me. I'm doing a little teachiness today. He's also saying that the transformation from reading and hearing the word, get this, is incomplete. Right? It does not stick. That you and I will lose our identity. That we will lose our faith. That we will get lost about who we are if we do not exercise the faith in deeds. Look back again at verse 25, right? Okay, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So the dude who looks at the mirror and forgets, right, who the mirror shows him he is, why does that happen? Because he is not doing anything to remind him of what he saw. He's not doing anything to fortify or in conjunction to what he saw in the mirror. He looked in the mirror and he was a white guy with straight hair. But then he keeps buying curl activator. I'm old. (laughs) He keep putting curl activator. He will forget. He might even act like he don't know who he is. I tried to come up with an illustration quick and I, the 80s got me all. I won't get into the white people with dreadlocks thing. We're going, we're going to keep going. But y'all get the point. 
please hope y'all get the point. James is saying that faith, that God changes us for the good, that this gospel thing works when we not only hear but exercise it. It is not enough to be a good theology student, Presbyterians, or memorize scripture, or even be able to espouse the truth of the faith and argue with it well, issues well on Facebook. I see y'all. But it is saying God is having his perfect work in us, and we are changing and will only be changed if we also act right. That we live, here's the word, obediently. To God, that, that, that obedient, holy behavior and actions, get this, will work with what's on the implanted word on the inside, with the behavior on the outside, to truly and fully change us into people who worship God fully. Practice makes perfect. Be careful here. I'm not trying to say you're going to be perfect. But perfecting is in Scripture. God is perfecting us. You will be perfect once we get rid of this flesh and we see him face to face and we get caught up in the air to see him. I'm looking forward to that day. Then I'll be transformed and I'll look like him. We'll be like him and we won't have to fight this stuff. I read about how to put my car radio in online on YouTube. I'm pretty good at that. And I watch how to solder wires. Y'all ready for me to do your car radio? <laughs> I watched it. I saw it, y'all. I've never actually done it, but I know I'm a car radio expert. Because I saw it, right? You know what's interesting? I actually did it. Right? I got the soldering iron and all that. I messed up. Burned myself, everything. It was actually Clark's. He soldered a lot. He had no problems, but I did. And I'm soldering and I'm doing a thing. And you know what's interesting? I went back to the video I watched and it made sense. Only after I did it. Right? I didn't do it without looking at what I needed to do. But then after I actually did it, what I looked at made sense. The next time I do it, it'll be better. <laughs> Still a little botched. Had to use some tape in ways I shouldn't have. <laughs> Let me tell you this. It is wrong. That means it's not right for us to be waiting for our hearts and even perfect attitudes about God to be right before we can do right. Some of, us, some of us believe this crap about losing authenticity because we are afraid of being legalistic. Nah, that's baloney, right? If, if we can see what the word is saying and calling us to do and not do, if the word of God, the gospel is implanted in us, the law of liberty is at work, that means you can do obedient and good and loving and pure religion without warring that it will bind you into legalism. This legalistic thing is crap. For so many of you, you're using it so you can keep sinning. It's become like a full circle lie. You believe the gospel. Now, let me be careful. I'll, I'll go ahead and give you a little, you know, disclaimer. If you are not a believer, 
or a believer who has yet to relieve themselves of their desire to manipulate or use God, or you're in some kind of cult where the past is trying to get you to do something, or if you are, you know, someone who is twisting the word of God and leading or teaching, okay, right? If you think you can be made righteous outside of Christ in some way, you're trying to be in the moral majority or whatever it is, okay. If I tell you to be obedient, you will, it will mess you up. But let me give you a challenge. Seek obedient living. And if you mess up, we'll be there to help you. But don't wait. We are waiting. Sometimes I'm like that. I'm waiting for Jesus to give me a starburst or something, right? Some kind of giant explosion. Boom, boom, boom. You can be obedient today. Yes. What are you waiting on? It's the law of liberty. Holy living, obedient living is good for you. It actually looks good on you. It fits your, it fits your confession. It fits your profession that you are a believer in a holy God. So guess what? Change the TV menu today. You know you ain't need to watch what you're watching. Something in you says it's not holy. I'm sorry, I believe in freedom, but I also believe in a law of liberty. We ain't even tried the other side. We're so glad to discover this grace-centered theology, and I'm going to keep preaching it. It's going to be scandalous. I promise you, there's enough scandal to go around about the gospel. But y'all have really gotten ridiculous, and I'm with you. I watch anything sometimes. And in the back of my mind, well, I'm free in Jesus to watch it. Have you ever thought you're free in Jesus not to? Like, y'all need to change some settings on the internet, right? Like, that means, yeah, you won't be in the same conversation with everybody else. Okay. Be the nerd for a while. Have you seen this new TV show? No, I don't watch that. Just don't do the right things in me. It don't fit, it don't fit me. Oh, man, go ahead and be the outcast. I need to finish up. You and I are free to pursue God and be committed to his mission on earth. We are freed by the gospel to be who God says we are and free to become who God says we are by doing what he says to do. I, I want to not be hard on you. I want to be careful with this doing thing. James is dangerous in the wrong hands. Some of y'all are holding on. Keep holding on. Some of you are saying no to things and no to people and no to sin. And it is hard because every time you say no, something wrong seems to happen. Be slow to speak. Slow to anger. Turn to the word again. I promise you, like, go ahead and try. (laughs) Do. And the gospel and people who carry the gospel in your community in the right way will be there for you. James 25 says this as I end. But the one who looks into the perfect law, law of liberty and perseveres, being no, bear, no error, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he'll be blessed in his doing. 
Christianity is no cakewalk. It's sweet, but it's no cakewalk. It is always about persevering and staying and holding on and hanging in and coming back. But it's the only way of living that promises and delivers life out of and from death. And the only life because of God's promised blessing of grace through Jesus worth living. Next week we'll get into more this living, this religion Ooh, that's a word I'm afraid of. I don't know about y'all. But let Jesus work to, to change us in it. If you do without hearing the gospel, you'll be in trouble. If you hear the gospel without doing and seeking and living in holiness, you'll be in trouble it'll be harder for you to believe the gospel when times get hard. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we just don't have a law, a bunch of do's and don'ts, but the law of liberty, freeing us to enjoy you and live in the holiness to take off filthiness and wickedness. Stuff that hurts us. Lord, alleviate us from our fears. Fears of legalism. Fears of being like our parents. Fears of being like that church was back then. Help us hear the gospel. That we are sinners and Jesus is a savior and Lord and brother and father of sinners. Help us to hear that for all we do. But then, Lord, help us to live in the freedom to worship you, to bless you with obedience, to do what the word says to do. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.